Welcome to the Back to Back Films Podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I'm Byron. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to remember if, that if after you, last week. If you, if you had said that before I did, though, it would have really thrown me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have If you, you had, like, interjected in. me, because, you know, normally, yeah. Oh, I should have, oh, no, I get what yeah, you're yeah. saying. yeah. No, then you're right. I should have done been it like, before. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> One of these days we're going to start and Byron's not going to pay attention. And you're going to say it. And <laughs> I don't catch it till the until I listen to that. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So our main topic this week is war movies, which is actually part two of an ongoing series for the show. Uh, I think episode like 19 or something like that. Uh, was our first that one. long ago? Holy it was a while ago. It was pretty early on. Um, and this wow. is going to be pretty different than that episode, I think. So, But that's cool. Because uh, we've come a long way since <laughs> the early days. Yeah. Our younger years. Uh, so our first film is Apocalypse Now, released in 1979. During the Vietnam War, Captain Willard is sent on a dangerous mission into Cambodia to assassinate a renegade colonel who has set himself up as a god among a local tribe. Apocalypse Now was written by John Milius and Francis Ford Coppola, and it was directed by Coppola. It stars Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, Frederick Forrest, Sam Bottoms, Lawrence Fishburne, and Albert Hall. And my computer corrected, auto-corrected Fishburne to Fishbone. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> Fishbone. Fishbone. Lawrence Fishbone. Fishbone, man. He did such a great job in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, our second film is Hacksaw Ridge, released in 2016. Uh, World War II American Army Medic. I love how they have to like s- specify American. American Army Medic Desmond T. Doss, who served during the Battle of Okinawa, Okinawa refers... Jesus Christ. All right. Start this over. World War II American Army medic Desmond T. Doss, who served during the Battle of Okinawa, refuses to kill people and becomes the first man in American history to receive the Medal of Honor without firing a shot. Hacksaw Ridge was written by Robert Schenken and Andrew Knight and it was directed by Mel Gibson. It stars Andrew Garfield, Sam Rockwell, Vince Vaughn, Hugo Weaving, Rachel Griffiths, and Teresa Palmer. Hey, Teresa. <laughs> oh, no. man that was not entirely oh, creepy god. Or <laughs> jesus god uh, if only she knew what you look like <laughs> and she'd be all over you <laughs> oh thanks <You're> <laughs> jacob's a fan uh <laughs> god damn so i don't really have like a specific direction. I kind of wanted to talk about more about the productions of these movies, especially Apocalypse Now, because it's sweet, fucking fascinating. Let's do it. Um, and actually, Hacksaw Ridge's production is actually kind of interesting too. Um, but I don't know. I kind of 
or I don't know. I kind of want to start with this question, actually, just because, like, I obviously voiced my opinion to you guys about the movie beforehand, but I didn't get your guys' <laughs> opinion about the movies beforehand. <laughs> um, and if anyone who's been listening to the show knows that, like, Apocalypse Now is, like, my favorite film yeah, of, like, all favorites, time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and at least in the top three. So my question here is, like, so, like, in general, Hacksaw Ridge has gotten pretty good reviews, right? Like, you could, I mean, it's won awards and, like, people really enjoyed it overall. But for those who, like, didn't like it, let's just, let's think about it from that perspective for a second. What makes it less impactful than Apocalypse Now in terms of being a war movie? Um, I, for me, um... The reason I dislike it and the reason I like it are actually this for the same reason. Okay. Which is really weird. Um, it's a it's a pretty dated film in a lot of ways. Mm. Which for me, the reason I like it is that it it's structured in a way that a war film was structured in like the forties. So there's a film called. Um, uh, Sergeant York, which was a film made in the 30s, I think, late 30s, early 40s, with uh, starring uh, Gary Cooper. And it's a World War One film, and it has a very similar structure in how it's how the the movie plays out in Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, you know, you get to know the character. He's in his hometown. Mm-hmm. He kind of falls in love. It's very funny, and it gets you to like the character because... Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's relatable and it's you know it's kind of cute because he's falling in love blah 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 and then you get to see like the horrors of war so then because of those two things you get the dichotomy of how horrific war can be and i did like that aspect of hacksaw ridge where the first beginning is very funny and kind of lighthearted, and then you have a little bit of this like not courtroom drama but this whole idea of him mm-hmm. fighting against the army establishment saying, I'm not going to fight. But then the rest of the film just takes you to his war zone. And it's kind of like this, it, the way uh, uh, Mel Gibson films it, it's like this barren hellscape almost, this war mm-hmm. um, scene. And then you get to see him be courageous in a landscape that's not of his doing but he maintains his inner um self that he was fighting for right. in the middle of the movie what's so, the film called again it's called um sergeant york so, oh um, right and it's he's like he plays as like a sniper in that movie but um uh gary cooper so i like that it's structured that way because it works i mean but it is dated you know, he didn't. Gibson didn't bring anything new on that sense. But what I don't like about this film is like, uh, there the enemy is just the enemy. There's no, um, they're 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 stock. You know, they're 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 literally like, yeah. You know, like there's no connection. Where which was cool about Clint Eastwood's um, dual films, uh, Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima, was he took. Iwo Jima, the Battle of Iwo Jima, and you got to see a movie from the American side of mm-hmm. view, and then you got to see his other movie from the Japanese side, and I thought that was more interesting, and you got yeah. to see um, how both sides viewed each other, and because of that, it brought this humaneness to it, or humanity to it, which I felt 
Gibson's film lacked but was also trying to go for but instead we have to follow a character who not all of us can relate to either you know he's Jehovah's Witness um, and uh, or a Seventh Day Adventist or Seventh Day Adventist yeah. that's right and mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 interesting there's a lot of things that I like about it and a lot of things I don't like about it um, and it's for all for the same reasons it's weird no I, yeah. think, <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense I mean cause like that's one of the things that you notice right away is how like they're all this it's just an amalgamation of a bad guy yeah and there's nothing yeah. about them that's they all look the same yeah yeah I mean all wearing their tan outfits yeah and, you don't really yeah. see any particular guy I mean you do see a couple close up but that's only because you see them in close up in relation to a close-up American soldier, right. like when they're fighting, like uh, when he's like the guy runs up with the grenade or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. you see that guy in close-up, but then that's only because he's running to an American guy yeah. in close-up. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I understand why Gibson did it. I think in the sense of like it's not about Japanese soldiers. It's not about anything other than this one man's journey and proving that his belief. That he felt that it was that you know he he stuck to his no guns stuck and, to his guns um, yeah nice. <laughs> um, I wrote and, that <laughs> joke actually I was going to use that and <laughs> and, um, and and did this thing which it which is incredible it's a really courageous um, at the same time I, I it it feels one sided and it could be interpreted as like you know american army porn you know just how like american sniper yeah. was was yeah. accused of that you know where it's like oh it's just him you know shooting you know the muslims and stuff which yeah you could totally interpret it that way um wasn't well, american sniper i haven't seen american sniper but wasn't it actually more anti-war than people thought yeah i think so okay i think so. i thought i thought it was I, th- I had arguments with my grandpa who was refusing to see it i was like dude it's not like a pro-war like propaganda movie and he was convinced that it was and he was convinced that watching it would mean like disrespecting his brother who went to vietnam you know what i mean yeah i was like but honestly it's not like that at all like it's pretty anti-war yeah Yeah, because like a lot of people kind of played it off like it was like a chris kyle circle jerk almost you know it really wasn't because there is a circle jerk behind that guy yeah there is there totally is yeah like I didn't find that in American Sniper nor Hacksaw Ridge, really, because I, I was, I guess I was maybe choosing to not see the film that way. Mm. Um, and I think it might be a choice, maybe, yeah. for the for these films, because for for maybe, I mean, you look at Clint Eastwood, you look at Mel Gibson, both of these directors are such have been such in the public's eye that their baggage is now connected to their film. So Clint Eastwood is a Republican. So all the gun-hating super liberals started trashing this film because Mm -hmm. of their own agenda, even though Clint Eastwood didn't necessarily put his agenda behind the film. Yes, it's his film, but and he's Republican, but I didn't feel, and Chris Kyle was too, I didn't feel like there was like a lot of like and I'm not Republican. Republican, like, you know, things to, you know what I mean? Uh, and then Mel Gibson, same no, thing. I'm, you know, Mel Gibson. I'm with you. He's kind of like a bad boy. He's 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 he said some you know really derogatory and hateful things 
um, about you know Jews and he's been and blacks and blacks and you know he's 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 controversial and then he makes a film that shows you know uh, a whole race basically as like these bad guys which yes the army guys that are in that war at that time that's exactly how they viewed them you know because the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor um, so there's you can see it both ways and I guess I choose to maybe I chose to see the film not as Mel Gibson being hateful towards a whole group of people but I can see how it can be interpreted that way does that make sense right. yeah I yeah. don't see him I as necessarily of... hateful yeah not hateful but maybe like it's just not I think he's ignorant yeah I think yeah. it just comes off more as that's ignorant. the word I was looking for really yeah it, sure. he comes he comes off more ignorant for sure and that's yeah, I, what I think most I think, racism comes from is ignorance. Yeah. Right. And just to add on to your points and to answer your question, Keith, with a with a couple additional things. I, I think some things that are gonna turn people off to this movie are like the faith based elements of the movie. Yeah. Uh, just just how like it, it, it becomes like this kind of almost like a children's story where like the child has to like prove the whole town wrong type of thing and that's like rooted in like his faith and i i think i think a lot of people will just turn around and be like no (laughs) just just for that reason alone i think well because in an interview he was like i was watching a couple with mel gibson and some of the actors and he was like you know the the superhero of this movie doesn't wear spandex and you know he was describing he kind of described the hero which is ironic or the the uh protagonist as a superhero which is ironic because he doesn't even like superhero movies uh, but he was describing him as a superhero and if you think about it yeah his he's a he's kind of designed like a superhero and his shield is the bible and like that is wrapped up in his like you know because superheroes are always like i mean you could take captain america as an example of like die hard to their beliefs to the point where they will fight you and destroy the villain over their beliefs right and like that's that is this case is that he this is my belief i'm not gonna do a gun i'm not gonna shoot a gun and like you know i'm gonna do all that and just like use that and it's to such a point where he would literally become superhuman and bringing all those bodies you know the, the live people down the cliff and just not going to sleep and like literally everything he does is is beyond what an actual human could do um, and I think like that's what Mel, like yeah Mel Gibson like this is his superhero movie I think so and and I think so and mm. maybe casting Andrew Garfield wasn't an accident too but um but also <laughs> like you know uh, Batman and Spider Man and all these things they all started during World War Two you know the comics mm-hmm. and stuff they all came from this time of of people needing heroes and, yeah um, I think I think that was all part of the the idea behind this film and and because it's all it all, it all harkens back to old, old to me old school hollywood mm-hmm. movies sure i think sure. so too and you know it's interesting that you use the idea of structure because what i noticed and i, I uh in terms of this too is like its structure is actually similar to full metal jacket too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that there's like the before mm-hmm. in boot camp which full metal jacket takes it to a way different level right, right. Um, and then it just kind of just cuts to war. Yeah. Um, but I think Full Metal Jacket is more of a war film 
where Hacksaw Ridge isn't really a war film. You know, even in Wikipedia, it's described as a war drama film. And I think the thing here is that it's a drama film with war as a backdrop. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's not like an epic. Exactly. Or even, like, even Ivan's Childhood is more of a war film, I would say, than, than Hacksaw Ridge. Because I think Hacksaw Ridge doesn't. It cares less about the war, but uses that as a tool to talk yeah. about this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, whereas, like, Apocalypse Now is, like, a war film through and through. Right. I mean, even to the point where, like, even between the two individuals, it's a war. Mm-hmm. You know? What you're saying is, like, in its, like, slice of life aspect. Like, Ivan's Childhood is capturing the, that war at that particular time a lot more than Hacksaw Ridge is capturing right. World War Two. Well, right. Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now is, like, quite literally a slice of life of... Vet, like the veterans of Vietnam. yeah we're like yeah we're hacksaw rage is like we the what's more important to the filmmakers is that is this guy's struggle is the between character. his beliefs and his his woman that he falls in love with and that stuff you know what i mean it's not about the right. war right. it just happens to take place during war right that type of it's thing. like it's about the the character instead of yeah. the yeah. war exactly yeah, that makes sense but I, I i'm not gonna lie i really enjoyed the action sequences <laughs> they weren't bad like, i mean i was glad that the, the thing that i enjoyed was that um he knew because part of the struggle for this film is that it was independently financed yeah, yeah. um and he actually had some faith-based groups ready to pump pump uh, some millions of dollars into it. However, it had to be PG-13. Ah. And he knew that the film couldn't be made for anything yeah. less than R. I yeah. mean, to, to really tell the... to really Because apparently, even in the story, they actually supposedly toned down uh, the guy's actual story. Because yeah. if they, they, they thought that... If they were to write his actual story, it would be so outlandish that people wouldn't believe it. Yeah, that, I saw that. Um, yeah, with the yeah. ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah, the ending yeah. and actually what happened to him physically and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah there, there's like some of that, like, you know, he, like, he was, like, helping some dude on a stretcher and then something happened to him and, like, all this stuff. And, like, it was so crazy that nobody yeah. would actually believe that that would actually happen. Exactly. But he did, so they didn't even put it in the Exactly. Movie. And they put a part of it in the movie. And so right. um, he knew it couldn't... It, could had to be R, which I appreciate yeah, that yeah. to really tell. Because to me, with war films, if you're going to show battle, you have to show the carnage of battle because otherwise, you're not doing justice to the severity of war. Um, and it's, right. that's not just to be like, well, yeah. violence porn. I'm into violence. It, that's literally like, you know, to, if you were to tell James Bond in war where he shoots people and they don't bleed, that's not right. That's not true to right. to right. it. Um, so I'm glad he did. I that. I think you also you also need it for like the religious aspects Uh-oh. of the film too. Like, I think you really need like the blood and and the guts yeah. and stuff in order to like get into the religion. Yeah, of it. like the exactly, faith of it. exactly. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that he did that, even though it like caused strife. And you know, because those Christian groups pulled out yeah. of the film, um, you know, and stuff like that. So I appreciate that. But at the same time, he also like. They were really bland. The whole the action sequences were really uninspired and like repetitious. Yeah, and I think maybe that's what he was kind of going for, though. You know, in the sense of like, it's like this continuation of war, this unceasing, constant thing, right? Like this, this. But the thing is, is relentless. If you're you're gonna breakless, yeah. If you're gonna cut to something, though. 
it seemed like a waste to cut to something that's the same. Like, I mean, let's take the seminal fucking Saving Private Ryan uh, first act, right? Where every time he cuts to some other soldier, it's like he's holding his guts in. He has his arm blown off. He's looking for his arm. He gets shot in the canteen and bleeds out. Like, you know what I mean? It's something different. Whereas, like, in this, it's like cut to three Japanese guys getting shot. Cut to three Japanese guys getting blown up. Cut to American guys getting shot. Cut to American guys getting blown up. And it's, like, the same. And I get part of it is budget constraints. But at the same time, like, I mean, other filmmakers get creative with budget constraints, too. Right. right? So, like... um, There's there's definitely, like, a busyness to the action sequences. Like, there's, like, too much to to look at, which is kind of an American filmmaker thing. You know, like, just all the stuff that's kind of like going on in the background and on the screen. Which I appreciate that, I appreciate that in war in war movies though because war is chaotic. Like to do yeah. a battle like that, it should get to the point where it's not making sense to you because it's so I mean it doesn't make sense. It, it's interesting. I mean, I I really actually really like all of the films that Gibson has directed. I I'd like I think, to see Apocalypse. I think Apocalypto is one of the greatest films of the 2000s. I really think great so. opening. Yeah, great I mean, opening in that movie. Super underrated movie. And then when I look at his filmography, you know, he is someone that has never shied away from violence and showing like true brutality, yeah. which is really cool, and I really like that. Um, but there is something about this movie that is a little different from all of his other films, and I think you actually kind of hit it on the head. It seems like it's very American and busy, like you said. Like mm-hmm. his other films don't feel like that you know braveheart didn't really feel like a hollywood blockbuster movie he didn't direct braveheart though he did yeah oh he did direct Braveheart. yeah oh okay so you know that movie it became a big hollywood blockbuster movie and i'm sure it all came from hollywood money but it doesn't have that feel you know it doesn't it doesn't have like this like and i think maybe that's why it was such a big hit is it doesn't feel like you know um a Matthew or a Michael J. Fox, you know, medieval film or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Michael J. Fox, <laughs> whatever his name is. What's his name? Who? Wait, what? Fox guy. Uh, I don't know who. I don't know who. Back to the Future. Him. Oh yeah, that's him. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Wasn't he in like some like medieval film? I don't know. I don't know. I, it, was he? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like in the eighties, around the time Braveheart came out or early nineties, you know, he was such a big actor. Like right, it, right. It, the, the, Hollywood would have done something like that, right? Right. Um, like, like but, the Owen Wilson war movie, and like all that. Exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Casualties know, but, of war, I guess. Oh yeah. So like Fox and Pen, Brian De Palma. Oh, I, that's actually that's Bri- not a bad movie. Actually, is that the film that's, you're talking that's about? Not though the one I'm thinking of, but oh, that's actually a pretty good. It's a that's war an, drama. That's an film. anti-war Weird. film for sure. Yeah. And then he remade that. De Palma remade that. He did a film called Redacted. He remade, uh, basically remade his own movie, but instead of the Vietnam War, Redacted takes place in the Iraq War. That's the only one that looks like he was oh, the only war film. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he actually if there was one that was actually made, but but it was just a good example of a actor that could have been in a war film. That, right. That that Hollywood would have made yeah. in the, at the same time that yeah. that Braveheart was made. In right. that sense, Braveheart doesn't seem like a Hollywood movie. No, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah, where this is like Andrew Garfield's coming off of his, you know, right. amazing Spider-Man's and you got Vince Vaughn. Um, Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn you have all these kind of Hollywood <laughs> actors in it and yeah. Vince yeah. Vaughn. Well, I guess Sam Rockwell. And even like Sam Worthing- <laughs> or Worthington. Worthington. Or yeah. Rockwell. Why did I, I said Worthington, Rockwell. Yeah. It's Worthington. 
Not Rockwell. Worthington, that's a different guy. Yeah. Shit, that was my bad. No, so Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Uh, and like Hugo Weaving is like that. Oh, hey, that's Elrond. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy. You know but what yeah, I mean? So that was actually the, maybe one of the best casting choices, though, because you know he's oh, New, yeah. he's New Zealand and Mel Gibson is from Australia. So the, Hugo Weaving is in a lot Same of country. Australian. <laughs> Australian. <laughs> he's in a lot of Australian films because they're they're both of those industries are so close to one another. Um, sure. Sure. Uh, but so was, I, I, I really like cool. I like his role in this Hugo Hugo yeah. Weavings, uh, but he definitely like kind of serves as like that, like like the um, the idea of like oh that like really well respect uh, almost like the same role that Marlo Brando serves in Apocalypse Now like oh it's Marlon Brando like this really like respected actor you yeah. know coming in at the end and doing like his little cameo sort of a thing. Pretty Except much. obviously, like they both like have larger roles, but it's like that. You you you, you, get, you guys know. What I'm yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's interesting too that they brought Hugo Weaving in because I feel like he's casted generally because of his Hugo Weavingness mm-hmm. that he has because mm-hmm. he's got yeah. a very yeah. particular way of talking. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. do that. No, you know yeah. what I mean. Like even like V for Vendetta, you could immediately tell it's Hugo Weaving because yeah, of the way yeah. he talks, yeah. and you're just like. I just I kind of wanted more of that because yeah. it's just he is, does have that weird way of like yeah delivery. he does it so well I, he does it yeah. so well I had my dad watch Hacksaw Ridge when it came out on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever I, I I brought it to my parents house and I had him watch it and he didn't recognize that it was Elrond I, <laughs> oh, that's I, I was like so what do you think of Elrond he's like oh shit that that was it he did it, look a little know? skinnier and yeah, stuff he looks yeah. older obviously because yeah. obviously. Two, early yeah. 2000s was Lord of the Rings right, right? You know, so. I think everyone's used to seeing him as Mr. Smith or whatever and Mr. Yeah, Smith yeah. too that dude that's <laughs> like super cleaned up that's the voice I'm thinking of you know what I mean yeah Mr. Just Smith yeah. fucking yeah. god the, um, he kind of looks like he's like straight out of three billboards you know what I mean in this movie Hugo Weaving yeah yeah I mean I could see his it, character like his like costume and his stuff cost, yeah was he in three yeah. billboards no 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 but like, oh. no 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 like but he, like the style like the three billboards like look oh yeah, yeah okay. like of the just, of the characters of the, the townsfolk oh okay yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean obviously he was playing like a caricature right like a, a very specific yeah. type of person yeah almost stereotypical yeah uh, in that thing pretty stereotypical a lot of almost all the characters are stereotypical you have the stereotypical drill sergeant Played by played by Vince Vaughn, you have the stereotypical girlfriend, you have the stereotypical hero, you have the stereotypical villains that are just you know waves of you know soldiers, evil, you know just meet, mm-hmm. and then you have the stereotypical um, uh, uh, there's the guy person that... that that becomes his friend exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the stereotypical you know um, idiots, idiots like the guy that's more, yeah. naked all the time and and, and yeah, the, the yeah. called Hollywood. Hollywood was Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you <laughs> have all these on, stereotypes dude. that everybody is familiar with within like the yeah. quote war genre, um, right? And he doesn't really do anything new to them, which no, I like it, but I don't like it because it's like, oh man. Yeah. He's not even attempting to try anything new here. We're we're we're, right. we're really seeing something very traditional, yeah. which I like. I mean, I yeah. I'm a huge fan of those traditional war films. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but come on, man, really, you're more talented than this. It, <laughs> you know, it's really like it's really tropic. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's about as like tropic as you can get for a movie. Which it seems like he started to to think about the movie three weeks before they started shooting. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't get the feeling that he, like, did any sort of thought beforehand. Yeah, I feel you. I think a big thing that kind of plagues this movie is that it's based on a true story. And this story was turned down so many times by the guy. I forgot his name already. um, Desmond. Because he, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he wanted it to be, like, a true story. And so the, the only way it was going to get made as this story was if he was kind of like getting sign off on certain things and they did change like a, a, a couple things for the story's sake which we already kind of talked about but I, I think the guy like was really holding on to his life rights which which kind of like I'm 50-50 on you know like I totally respect like him wanting his story to be told uh, but I, I do think that this movie could have been a lot better with some changes totally. to it yeah. um, but I mean if the assignment is to tell this almost like this movie almost like a biopic then that's the assignment you know what i mean and that's the movie you're gonna make so it's hard for me to like look at mel gibson who i think is perfect for this movie and say hey man you should have like changed these story things when he couldn't um and he did change some things but he's also like the perfect person to do like a faith-based world war ii movie you know because that's like it feels like that's him Mm. you know what i mean feels like that's him on on the screen it just feels so like give me less of the kurt cameron and give me more of the like you know what i mean like stop trying to shove the faith down yeah. everything has to be so faith i mean even the fucking heavy-handed baptism quote-unquote scene yeah. of the water yeah. being poured on it, like just that's awesome so so you know, hard dude to, to be perfectly honest i think that the reason that it was such a big hit with the academy is because it had a lot to do with faith you know yeah he he there is such a big part portion of the academy that's old school elderly hollywood christians that saw this movie and gave mel gibson a pass because he had been blacklisted for so long and he kind of had yeah. to try and you know he's been trying to work his way back up to the hollywood elite um where he was before he you know did his stuff um and this was his <laughs> this was his you know this was his his attempt at getting back into that and, and the academy recognized him for it i i think it yeah i think it deals with the the faith part of it yeah, you know, yeah, for I, sure. I just, I just felt, I just felt it was a little pandering to the academy. I kind of, you know, it's what just I mean? like it, yeah. it just undercuts for me personally. Yeah, it just no. undercuts Same. the the seriousness, or you know, it's just. Yeah, I don't want to be preached to. Like, it, okay, yeah. I get that. There's like your opinion in film, and you know, filmmakers bring their perspective to things, but like. God damn, dude! You don't have to smack me on the face with the Bible to get me to <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. understand the point yeah. of view you're coming from. You know, like, just relax. Which, um, <laughs> in correlation with Apocalypse Now, it's so true. I mean, because what Coppola does is he uses like these religious like iconography, and he makes it his own. Mm-hmm. To, to at the end when you see all the 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 gods and everything you know over or um 
superimposed over Marlon Brando and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and and how that works, but it's not heavy handed because it's 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 not just like one religion that he's like like you said. Right. It's, it's not like, like it's because it's am- ambiguous, you know. Like the other one is like this specific religion, like this the Bible, like very religious imagery. Uh, but Apocalypse Now is like way more ambiguous, and it kind of leaves you like kind of being able to copy paste it a little more to whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. you can bring yourself to it more. Yeah. I think there's yeah. something to be said about the impact of imagery over being told. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of Hacksaw Ridge is like the people have to say these things apocalypse now is like a lot of this shit just happens and like even like you know he is anti-war because of you're seeing these people who are pro-war and they're so fucking insane (laughs) you know like robert duvall's the colonel is so insane (laughs) you know he's even depressed that the war is gonna end you know like and it's not it's it's not heavy-handed in the sense of like i love war you know it's like he it's more subtle it's more uh subtext it's nuanced like yeah yeah, as opposed to that where hacksaw ridge is like this is my faith you know like i don't want to shoot a gun you know like his stupid fucking accent um and like it's just (laughs) it it like holds your hand a lot more yeah Yeah. exactly yeah um did you guys notice the callback to we were soldiers in hacksaw ridge fuck i've only seen we were soldiers i think once there's a sequence in in we were soldiers which is also mel gibson was the star of that film where uh they're in the in the jungle and uh this like troop of Vietnamese soldiers is about to uh, like basically walk over them, which they literally do. Like they're, they're in a group and what they do to hide is they all, the American soldiers all lay like in the grass, like super still. Um, and in that film, there's like this, uh, they do the close-ups, cut back and forth of all the soldiers. And then you see the foots, the, the feet of the Vietnamese soldiers step right in front of him. And in this film, he covers oh. the guy's eye, and then you only see his eye. And literally the same angle, you see the wow, fucking wow. shoe come in. Like, it's, it's funny, l- I, literal I, callback. I vividly remember the eye scene in Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that shot was so memorable. Yeah. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't remember. It happens we almost exactly the same as we were soldiers. I, I saw that years and years ago. One time with uh, Sam Elliott, right? He has a small part in that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, quite a few people in there, that one, yeah. I, the part that I really remember is the part where, like, is, like, napalm and, like, the arms, like, literally just, like, slid off, like, the skin. Was, oh, it's like, just sloughed off like the skin, that. yeah. Like, uh, uh. There's some part. I don't remember movie. a lot of it, but I, I distinctly remember that scene because I thought it was, like, an interesting yeah. idea whether or not that could actually happen. But right. I was, like, immediately when I saw Hacksaw Ridge, I was like, dude, you just, <laughs> you watched your own movie and then put that in there, like... <laughs> Which I could see Mel Gibson doing something like that, honestly. Like, We Were Soldiers <laughs> was so good. I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think that uh, there's something to be said, I think. Because, like, it just doesn't wow you as a war film. Like, Apocalypse Now is so timeless. Like, you watch that and you're like, damn, that you could have made that, like, last year and I would have been sold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ha- yeah. You know what? I-, I liked Hacksaw Ridge more than I thought I would... Um... Because it was more violent than I thought it was going to be. Which I knew that going in. I knew it was going to be pretty I brutal. I thought it was, you know, when it when the, tra- the first trailer came out and everything, I'm like, ah, here we go again. Another war film. And it seems so glorified. And then at the end, it said it was 
they did not advertise that it was directed by Mel Gibson, but on the credits it says, you know, in the small letters directed uh, by Mel Gibson. But on the on the actual promotion of the film, they did not say a film by Mel Gibson because I think they were trying to get as many sense. people in there as they possibly could. And um, yeah, so yeah. And I was like, well, fuck. Well, you know what? I'll give it a shot because most of his films are pretty fucking brutal. When he the ones that he directs, you know, Passion of the Christ, you know, yeah, um, yeah. A lot he of likes people, the blood. Yeah. So like, then I saw it and I'm like, oh shit, this is actually way more than i was expecting um i mean it could have been even better but it was still you know solid i uh on the on the blood but right i i think apocalypse now is definitely like a way more important movie to understand like war and and not just like vietnam war but just like war itself but I, i think hacksaw ridge is an important movie for people for for faith you know what i mean and so i think those are two very different things <laughs> i mean i think you know? so and sadly you know almost all of my friends that aren't into film think apocalypse now is this shit you know they think it's drawn out they think they don't get it because you know, it's kind of slow and yeah you know they're like yeah. oh my god it's four hours four hours i'll never get it back you know so for people that but they love Hacksaw Ridge, you know, and they love Lone Survivor, and they love Twelve Strong, and they love, you and know, Fury. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, which, yeah. which you know, those films have a place. Um, but when you, you know, when you look at the Deer Hunter, and you look at Apocalypse Now, and you look at these other films that say more than just like genre, kind of, you know, they transcend. You know, the right Apocalypse Now would probably be the ultimate of all of those. I think. Honestly, I think so. I mean, so. Apocalypse I mean, Now and Saving Private Ryan are probably the top two, like, most influential war films. Yeah. You know, in, this, in the so. sense of getting you there. I think so. You know? <laughs> because, like, sure. I mean, Apocalypse Now is exactly what we were talking about with uh, Jin Ro, where, like, right. it starts in this huge epic. I mean, uh, I mean, what war yeah. film really gets as epic as this i mean there isn't any there really isn't i mean Um, like i mean i mean saving private ryan's epic in its own way but like this absolute scale of apocalypse now is it's just fucking insanity because it's all real it's all in camera that's the the craziest part like all the fucking helicopters the tanks the people the explosions the planes everything is in camera and like it starts on this huge i mean the first beginning until they fucking get onto the boat on the river is just epic war and then it just funnels literally funnels in down the river until you get yeah. to the the 1v1 war the right point. yeah yeah and it's like the, the you can feel it you know what i mean like hacksaw ridge you just you don't feel like this is a big battle you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Apocalypse Now is like, God damn, dude, we blew up like a whole village, yeah. destroyed jungles, fucking dropped fucking whatever the fuck everywhere. Like, you know, and then you think of the production history of Apocalypse Now, which essentially mirrors the war. Like yep. everything was destroyed, hurricanes destroyed yeah. stuff, they were way over budget. Coppola wanted to kill himself. Fucking <laughs> like I mean, it's just it's but, yeah, such uh, fucking insanity. Sheen had like right. massive meltdown and mm-hmm. all the hurricanes. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, because that, yeah, for people who don't know, the the Martin Sheen meltdown Byron's referring to is that scene in the hotel. That was real. Yeah. That was a legitimate mental breakdown. It's cool because in, in Coppola, like, fed him, like, wine or, or like, gave him wine and, and stuff to, and, like, and basically kind of provoked it out. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, it was Sheen's real emotions, like, I mean, coming out. You know, he had been away from his family um, for months, and yep. and he was homesick, and you know all this stuff. And it there's already all... a guy who had some. I mean, the Sheen family is not yeah. known for their mental yeah. stability, right? right. <laughs> and it just, and it just, you know, and that, the blood that he cuts himself when he punches the mirror that's at the beginning—that's all real blood. And yep. and when you watch the documentary um, "Heart of Darkness" by Coppola's uh, wife and another guy, um, uh, you get to see behind the scenes of that hmm. sh- of that scene and you get to see Coppola and and Sheen like talking and like I mean like Sheen crying and you know like this is intense so intense. intense dude so intense yeah I mean you can't even make it up I mean that movie yeah like you said it's just like I mean it's like fucking Ben-Hur of war movies you know it's yeah. it's it's Cleopatra of the 70s you know like yeah there's not there is there wasn't a bigger film in the 70s no, cause what was the other film we we just covered one right that came out in seventy nine? Um, because uh, it was like Stalker. Stalker. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So its own type of like, yeah. which is epic in its sense, but not scale. It's yeah. epic in in themes and and length and everything, but but the scale of Apocalypse Now is incredible. I mean, in the, the, yeah. the what they had to deal with the helicopters the mm-hmm. Philipp- with the Philippine government, they were, the Philippines were actually. The Philippine government was actually in the middle of like a, a semi like civil war at the time of the this film was being made, and they were basically told the government said, "Hey, you know, we can give you these this amount of you know X amount of helicopters that you could use um, for X amount of time," and they kept going back on their words because they needed the helicopters for their mm-hmm. for, for literally fighting in real life, yep. <laughs> right? And and all yeah, just crazy crazy stuff that's crazy one thing that i found really interesting like doing research on this is that uh george lucas was going to direct this originally yep and didn't because of star wars and he wanted to go into vietnam like guerrilla style and shoot it cinema verite you know like the on 16 millimeter film yeah on 16 millimeter and and shoot with actual soldiers which would have kind of been insane like that would have been awesome. interesting as fuck that would have been really interesting um Just yeah not, not with lucas yeah i'm it, super you know. glad that that did not happen but i think yeah. the idea behind it is is incredibly interesting that this super is a, interesting a, a lucas spielberg thing yeah. before coppola and, and john melius who you know later became famous for directing you know red dawn and um he did uh dillinger um and these other interesting films um wrote the first draft and i guess it was way more like streamlined and very and very like funny apparently yeah very you know uh yeah you know just way different than what it became where it became this more this like this this um heart of darkness uh uh you know based on the book heart of darkness um i think by kipling right um story uh, conrad jo- or joseph conrad no oh, conrad yeah, yeah yeah conrad hall or no conrad i think it's joseph conrad, Co- joseph conrad or something. something like that fuck i was getting a little yeah. mixed up um but they you know this going down the river and this 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 descent into the jungle and how 
that mirrors the war and also the degradation of Colonel Kurtz and and everything. And, and, yeah, you know, Werner Herzog was inspired by that same book, and he did Aguirre, Wrath of God, which came out, you know, maybe a couple years um, seventy two seventy two. Yeah, so about seven years before this one, and uh, so it's a, it's an interesting concept. I think it's fascinating too that like. I mean, Coppola was just just rolling off of The Godfather and The Conversation. Yeah. Obviously, The Godfather, in a lot of lists, is considered one of the greatest movies ever made. The Conversation won the Palme d'Or, got a bunch of acclaim. And it's one that we never that people never talk about here. It's huge in Europe, but it's never oh, talked. Yeah. Apocalypse Now and The Godfather series are what Coppola is known for here in the States. And then... Right. And the conversation is the one he did right between them, and, <laughs> and it's like no one knows of it. You know, that's funny. It's kind of a boring movie, but that's for a different time. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he's like rolling off these two movies, just like people are praising him, thinking he's like the greatest thing fucking since sliced bread, and like he's going into apocalypse now and towards the end because it, uh, he also like never had an ending for it until basically they had what well, they had to start shooting an ending, yeah. and. He basically thought it was the worst piece of shit ever. He was like, there's only like a 20% chance this is going to get made. I'm fucking having to sell (laughs) and put up all my assets as collateral against this because like they were so far over budget because of the destruction of all their sets and stuff. And like, I mean, literally he talks about how he had a gun and like was fucking one step away from pulling the trigger and like blowing his fucking brains out because of the stress of this movie. And this dude is like just made like amazing films right before this and still thinks of himself as like, yeah. what the fuck am I doing? I yeah. think that's fascinating as a filmmaker, especially because a lot of people who make films, it's hard to see the film from a different perspective. You're like, you know, it's just, I hate what I'm doing. This fucking sucks. This is a drag. This is work. Nothing's turning out right. It all looks like shit. I just want to leave it all, but you can't because you're contractually obligated and you owe people millions of dollars and stuff like that. <laughs> and even, you know, that's a, that's a thought that anyone has. I mean, making a short film, even you, you have those thoughts when you're doing it. Cause you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And then, yeah, it's good to know that even the best of the best, or at least people who are at the height of their, of their talent are thinking in the same way. It's like, it's like refreshing. Oh yeah. You know? no, I mean, I think, um, it says a lot uh, that, you know, filmmakers, you know, they reach a, a level of, of stardom and, and thing, but they, but, you know, the, the true artists, you know, they never want to, to lose sight of their vision and to lose their respect almost yeah. for, with their fellow peers. Um, you know, like Martin Scorsese had, you know, was basically going to commit suicide as well. And, and Raging Bull was his apocalypse now. And Raging Bull is one of the greatest films of the '80s, you know. Yeah, um, sure. And uh, uh, you know William Friedkin um, with uh, 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 out of um, out of the French Connection, he came out with The Exorcist, and mm-hmm. you know all these very famous films have all stemmed from this fear of failing and this um, deep rooted sense of. Uh, of of failure mm-hmm. um, that Coppola you could tell had it so bad yeah. that he it, it, it literally consumed him you know yeah and 
Sure. It's interesting that in you, it actually, you know, and it, it affected his whole family. And Sofia Coppola was actually the, the one that came up with the horror, the horror. Oh, really? Yeah, she got sick. She got, like, was feverish. And she, you know, she had left, you know, her home in L.A. because they took, you know, Coppola yeah. took his whole family yep. to them or to with him. And she was homesick, obviously. And she was, like, feverish. And she was sick. And she was at the hospital, I believe. And, and she was, and she just in this delirious state was like, oh the horror and uh capola used huh. that and uh you know so it's just cool that it, you know i mean it's cool but it's not cool um but his sickness almost you know it it, it got to his family too you yeah know? <laughs> it, 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 which which then came back into the film exactly it's a big circle and it, it, it the horror is is one of the most well-known lines in movie history you know yep so this movie has a couple of lines that have become the most well-known i mean <laughs> yeah. obviously the i love the smell yeah. of napalm in the morning yeah, yeah. the horror the horror yeah. you know like it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy just like how much this movie and like this movie's influenced like so much before it and like yeah. that's the thing too is like hacksaw ridge felt like it was made from a comfortable state mm-hmm you know, mm. it felt like these clean cut people came in and just kind of rubbed some dirt yeah. on each other and then made their movie. Whereas yeah. Apocalypse Now feels like they crawled out from the swamp <laughs> and fucking, you know, it, the the stress yeah. of life was just so apparent There's in everything. There's much more on the line, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that's the thing. There's much more on the line. I think that hits it on the nail on the head. Like Apocalypse Now was full of risk. Hacksaw Ridge had no risk. Right. That was a safe movie to make, you it's know. Even like Full Metal Jacket, same thing. You know, there wasn't Kubrick didn't have a lot on the line there, you know. Um, and it, one could say Full Metal Jacket maybe is his weakest film, but um, you know, Apocalypse Now, it just shows, um, like how like you you mentioned this with Stalker, how like a painter, um, can get so, um connected to their work that they could like you know cut off their ear or whatever you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it, 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 you know just become insane with their art yep. um there hasn't been a crazier film production i don't think right than apocalypse now i mean i can't i mean it's hard to think of one off the top of your head. that's why i find it <laughs> yeah i've thought that yeah. apocalypse now to me is an inspiring film like to because there is so much documentation of the insanity of the production because the movie actually ended up being so good yeah. uh and like it's just to me as a someone who wants to make movies like if i'm gonna like it's it's the pinnacle really yeah. like yeah. i mean obviously that's my subjective opinion but like to me that's like it's really hard to make a movie better than that movie because I, I, the culmination of everything that, that came together and is part just of it is right. no one can make that movie or a similar movie anymore no because everything's no going to be CGI way. which to me that's why it's the pinnacle you know because you look at this and the, everyone who had a part in that movie did it for real like yep. they, they 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 literally sacrificed so much i mean it's one person to show it's one thing to show up to work and get on a computer and like you know do digital palm trees in the background getting exploded by napalm but there's another thing where you're sacrificing your time by going over to the philippines and filming real explosions and real and you know because like right the danger in that and but like i don't know how to describe that but there, it's, there's things you can't just like mimic 
with right. digital. I mean, you know it's what like, I mean? Like, you can't, like, you need, like, those palm trees. Yeah. You know, right, right. that are, you need, like, the different kinds. You need, like, the details and yeah. the way the light reflects reflects off of those yep. trees and and with the explosions you know there, there's a difference and i think everyone can tell the difference yeah. i mean look at kong yeah. skull island and you'll get a, a real good idea on what maybe apocalypse now could have looked would have looked like if it was made today god yeah. dude you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it's like it's like hacksaw it's very, ridge like much the same yeah i think so i think and also hacksaw ridge they claim that there was like very minimal uses of cgi and all of it was done in in the battle scenes but then the ship was cgi clearly yeah it was i mean well yeah the blood i mean the first in the very first opening sequence when the guy gets like shot up or whatever or like when the first guy gets shot when they come over the hill or whatever that was like (laughs) you know the touch up with cgi like very clearly like it's weird that they made a claim like there was no cgi like oh mel gibson wanted it to be all practical but like you guys did a lot of cgi with that film right um which i mean that's like that's like mad max fury road it's like same thing. Everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, practical, practical," and it's like, "Well, like, there's so much, so CGI much CGI everywhere in, in that Mad movie. Yeah. Like, it's beyond what your mind can even comprehend." Exactly. You know. Exactly. But it's cool that the cars yeah. were actually like doing those jumps and shit. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. right. Yeah, a lot of the CGI was in like the danger, dangerous practical effects yeah. for Mad Max and landscapes and stuff. Which landscapes? I mean, that's fine. CGI yeah, that yeah, shit all day because. Yeah. You're not going to build a castle on the side of a fucking cliff, right? Like, just CGI it. But, like, the fact that Coppola... Like, I mean, one of the greatest shots in Apocalypse Now is that dolly when they're on the beach and it just starts tracking and helicopters are flying and helicopters are landing. Tanks are driving. They're blowing shit up. Fucking flamethrowers are burning shit down. Like, I mean, (laughs) movies have copied that exact shot. I've seen it. I I can't remember the film. I was watching it. And it was literally just... A fucking like almost to the point where yeah. like the placement of stuff was exactly the same because that shot right. is so it's crazy it's it's and it's all real and Coppola plays the film director he plays the director yeah. he's like just keep running don't look at the camera <laughs> just go like, uh, and it just it's it's and then it, Thunder, it, probably it like cuts uh, opposite that too and like when it starts to and you pass the tanks again and like you know all the soldiers are dealing with all like the civilians and stuff yeah, like it's like, the heads and it's stuff. like what is fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. like dude it's so mind-boggling to watch that and just be like some dude some people fucking did that yeah. like, and, like the, and the playboy uh bunnies that whole scene with mm-hmm. the, all the gi's in the stadium yep. they had to fucking the constru- oss yeah they had to construct that shit Yep. Like in the middle of the fucking jungle. Yeah. I mean, it's like, fuck, with all the lights yep. and shit, and the helicopter coming down. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Like, so it's just crazy, insane. Dude. Like, so crazy. Uh, I mean, that's why you just, it's so, it's so hard to touch a movie like this because it's just like, I mean, even if it ended up being a bad movie, the respect of you pulling off something. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's yeah. literal insanity to try and to be like, I'm going to do this movie. And have it on paper. It must be just be like so. You know, we want all this stuff. We want like surfboards, and then we want like these like <laughs> Indian ch- or like you know these Asian children on and canoes. You know, painted white, and and then we want like you know like uh, you know we need a real like, cow. Yeah, we need a real cow that we're gonna cut you know its head off, and then you're we not gonna need get Dennis that cow Hopper back. <laughs> as a crazy man, man, and uh, we need you know Marlon Brett. Oh shit, he's overweight. Fuck, what are we gonna do? Oh fuck it, we'll just keep him in there anyway. You know, like all this stuff. Dress him in black. Yeah. I mean, literally Fuck. every single aspect of that film was a problem. Yeah. Like, there was nothing about that film yeah. that went smoothly. Yeah. 
and Speaking somehow like Dennis got Hopper, made. he was like he had gone off the deep end. He was basically caused so many problems on other film sets and um, all this stuff, and it was kind of one of his scenes. His agent was like, "No, you can't do this movie um, uh, because." the public, you know, views you a certain way and this would only, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. help that. Um, right. But he did it anyway. And same with Blue Velvet, you know, uh, he did it anyway. But... Um, yeah, he's got some strange-ass movie baggage. Yeah, yeah. Like Easy Rider. Yeah. True Grit. Fucking, you know, obviously Blue Velvet. Sons of Katie Elder. and Apocalypse uh, Now. Like, yeah. And then he comes out of nowhere in Apocalypse Now, too. Oh, I love that. Like, yeah. he, you know, the beauty of Apocalypse Now is that there's no credits. You don't know what the fuck yeah. is, who the fuck yeah. is going to appear in that movie. Man, I, lo- I love that saying, that, that, that phrase or something that he says. And he's like, something like ragged claws scuttling over silent seas or something i just like it's like this crazy weird shit that he's saying and it's just mm-hmm. like it's just awesome and it, i love it just you know, he says man like 20 times <laughs> yeah man yeah, yeah. man, you know, yeah, man. man. Um, so uh what what do you guys think of the vo of i was just gonna bring that up now because obviously oh, really? that's the elephant in the room here i actually meant that to, is yeah i meant to bring it that up was the, the only beginning. thing i was curious about um <laughs> i meant to bring that up at the beginning of the episode actually because like Obviously, I've had some strong opinions about narration <laughs> and, and voiceover and stuff. And watching the movie, I don't know. I don't know how to, like... I, I don't feel comfortable being like, well, it was good in this. You know, because it just kind of makes me like a hypocrite about it. But Apocalypse <laughs> Now really is, like, my favorite movie of all time. And it has narration in it. And, like... I don't know. Like, it's a very conflicting feeling to have. I love this. And I, I love, love it. What I... What I this okay. is Keith's own apocalypse now, right? It now. is. It's, it's <laughs> happening. I'm fucking. I'm dying inside a little bit. What? I, okay. I don't know. I don't like narration, and I don't. Know, and I like I said, I don't know if I can just be like, well, it's apocalypse now, so I'll forgive it. Um, what I do like about the voiceover in this, though, is how it it is more along the lines of like that fucking like. It's like. 30s 40s noir narration uh-huh. you know what i mean the way he talks is like guttural and deep like like bogart would talk yeah. or something you know what i mean like yeah. and he's kind of i don't know it's the narration of it is less fantasy where they're like and then he went to the store because his mom needed it you know what i mean it's he's less of that narrating. he's not narrating yeah. the plot he's 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 doing the exposition through the narr- through the voiceover. It's, it's it's more like his like internal thoughts and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it doesn't seem like because you know like like in the Wolf of Wall Street and stuff, the voiceover is used in in, in more of a narration thing where you're getting information from it. In Apocalypse Now, it doesn't seem like I'm getting a lot of information from what he's saying, but we're getting an right. insight into what he's feeling, which is different. Yeah. He's you know? looking. He's because he's that's kind of like I mean that's like what Twilight does. I've never seen Twilight, oh, yeah. so... I'm not so. sure. I, yeah, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't I know mean, if that I feel comfortable comparing Twilight to Apocalypse Now, though, either. I think... Uh, well, the narration is, like, giving you a lens into what she's feeling and thinking in, in her relationship, right? Oh. But the difference here is that um, this is, like, a, a, a grand war, like an epic war that we're getting narration on versus, like, a... 16 year olds relationship so it's like this thing that we like i think everyone kind of understands like what a relationship is like when you're 16 but not everyone understands like the 
uh, slice of life of, of, of Vietnam yeah. war, you know? So I think the, the lens into that the narration does gives you a lot more from an artistic standpoint in this movie than it would from something like Twilight, even though it is the kind of the same thing. I, I guess, I don't know, it makes me have to consider what my issues with narration really are. I guess part of it is that I don't like the redundancy of like fantasy-based narration where you're telling me what's going to happen... Like no shit, I just watched it happen. Yeah, you, like you don't like being fed anything. Yeah, and, I don't and, really. And yeah, a lot of that's narration is feels like it's stuff that's being fed to the audience. Like yeah, or like in case you missed it, here's right. yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, but Apocalypse Now doesn't seem like like that to me because it's it's almost like he's it's like a journal. Of like, yeah. Of like, of emotion, not journal of like. And then we went down the river and we saw, a, you know, a, we ran yeah. into an old French. You know, it's like, it's not like that. It could have easily have been like that. He's like, you know, he's like. I think it was he, like that, initially. Yeah, the oh, narration okay. went through a lot of changes and took like a, a year or two Forever. to really form to what it became. Um, it's, it's, it's like when like a fucking noir detective is just, he's, you know what I mean? It's like a stream of consciousness voiceover as opposed to like a narration. I think that's the difference is that maybe narration is not the correct term for it. I mean, I'm not opposed to voiceover. Yeah. It's it's definitely a voiceover, not a narration. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more to me personally, (laughs) it's more like a poetic thing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like Tree of Life or something, where he's, or uh, Voyage of Time, yeah. where they're kind of just I mean, even Taxi talking Driver. about things. Yeah, because Taxi Driver is the same thing. It's it's not. Uh, it's just him. You know, basically spewing what he thinks of the city and his internal thoughts on on things. It's not him saying, "And this is what I did, and this is what I'm going to do." And this yeah. is. It's not because that would be to me narration. Um, hints at um plot development yeah. or character development um a string of events whether it's an event that's taking place in the movie or emotionally in a weird way um with this i, it, I mean i think that's what I, th- I would say that's what this uh narration does or this vo does is is like a oh, lens into yeah. the character i guess that shit yeah, yeah that's totally right i guess what am i trying to say Narration narration is the I use yeah just the plot then. Narration is the use of a written or spoken commentary to convey a story to an audience. Okay. That's the yeah. basis okay. of it. Whereas so like the, I mean I would say it's you could call it VO or narration I would say. In this case I think a, a I mean, narrator it, could appear on screen but a voice a VO couldn't appear on screen. I mean narration you know is I mean? voiceover. Right. Obviously cuz that that Right. I mean, like, you, right. you can... Or, or voiceover is narration. No, no, no. I think it's... Because, nar- like, a narrator can <laughs> appear on screen. It could. You could have both. So yeah. you, you either have, like, the... the uh, Fuck, what do they call it? Like, the, the state... The story... The, when they, like, set up a story within a story... What the fuck is that called? Like, I'm gonna read oh, you meta? this book now. There's a, there's a fucking term for it, uh, but whatever. I know what you're talking so, about. So, like, you can have... Storybook? No, there's a... <laughs> There's a terminology for it. It's the way you design your your plot. Um, 
Right. Uh, where like no, I understand. But... It opens up with Santa sitting in a chair. He's like, I'm going to read you the right, story right, now, kids. Right. And then the film right. is the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, even fucking uh, Perfume was sort mm. of like that, mm. right? Uh, so yeah. in that sense, yeah, that you would have a narrator, but then his narration turns into voiceover. Mm-hmm. So narration, generally speaking, is voiceover. Where voiceover can just be like them talking in one scene, but you're seeing shots from a different scene. Which is not narration, but it is voiceover. Could, could, uh, I don't know if I have this. I'm with you. I, 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 yeah, I have, I have, I to, I'm totally with you there. But here, here's another question. I don't know if, I, if I'm going to be able to word it right. Okay, so uh, have you guys seen Dogville by mm. Lars von Trier? Mm. Um, okay, Larson, Gus Van Trier. You guys have all seen um, a movie, right, where there's like a narrator narrating the film, but he's actually not a character within the movie. He's just a voice. Yeah. He's literally mm-hmm. just playing a voice. Like series of unfortunate events. Yeah, sort of a yeah. Thing. But then there's also the movies that do that exact same thing, but they are in a character. Framing story. Oh, framing. Frame yeah. story. Framing story. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. But then there's like the movies where like there's the narrator who does have a part in the movie. Yeah. But could you have a voiceover that's not narrating not be in the movie? Because, yeah. like, cause like, Martin Sheen, he's talking yeah. about his emotions and stuff, right? But he's the character in the, in the movie, so that's why we're getting that. But could you have someone that's not the character in the story tell you what he's feeling? That's what they tried to do initially. Yeah. It was actually Coppola I mean, was I think reading that... the, narr- the quote-unquote narration. Okay. And it was supposed to be him saying. I'd like to what see that feeling. in the movie because I don't know if I've seen that in a movie yeah. where it's somebody. But I think a lot of it's somebody a, else. A lot of like those frame stories are doing that. Like what? What are they? What are they called? Keith framing? Yeah, frame story or what a story within a story. Frame Fra- story. Yeah, frame story. But but, but, but they're also but they're also like narrating it. But they're not just being voiceover, right? But sometimes those though like there is no, um, like like Winnie the Pooh, right? Like that has a. A VO, but there's no like the narrator like is non-existent. Yeah, is but, that what you're saying? Right, or like, but 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 they're narrating the the, the movie. Thomas the Tank, but they're not uh, Thomas the Train. Yeah, but they're narrating the movie or the videos. They're like saying, "Oh, you're and then saying Thomas just... did this and his friend did this." I'm talking about purely voiceover, where it's not narrating the plot of the film. It's just talking about what the character is like feeling yeah i see what you're saying. i don't know if that's ever been done before i think it gets if i think part of the reason why that's an issue is that people expect the character to hear it from the character right 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 right. so that's what i that's what i was asking like, like what you're describing is more of like a god point of view in a book right almost and i wonder if that's if that's doable in a non-narration way but in a voiceover way i bet you i think in a uh in a satirical or maybe Wes Anderson sort of way, okay. I think it could work. Okay. Because, like, to a degree, Arrested Development kind of does that. Now, granted, that's more of a satirical narration. Right. But at the same time, they kind of, like, she was feeling like this. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like, true. They, they, they combine it there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's definitely cheap, narration, but, but then there's definitely the part where it's like, and he felt this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I think it can work, but I don't think it can work if you're trying to be to make it serious. No, I don't. I, w- I don't. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what my question was. If you guys could, if you guys could 
either think of a movie that had that in it and then see if that would have worked for Apocalypse Now, but I don't think it would have. I think it would have been too... I don't know. It would have taken you right farther away from from Martin Sheen's character. Yeah. Well, I like it because because um, he's just an observer of the whole movie. You know, like he's he's just watching what's happening, and you really don't get much from him in the movie. But having that narration that kind of you know get you know gives you that lens into him it, it kind of connects you with him a little bit more and and his his journey makes uh not makes more sense but is like kind of better because he's 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 not really like a protagonist no. you know what i mean like yeah. he's not he's not like really in charge of his story like he kind of is but everyone else is doing things to like yeah. serve him and he's just kind of sitting back which is really interesting mm-hmm. yeah I mean, like how it what how it plays with that that's a really good point i think without the narration he would be very boring to watch i think it's the opposite of harrison ford and blade runner that harrison ford is more fascinating to watch in that movie without the narration or the voiceover than he is without it because without it he's more interesting right. to to watch with this movie i think Martin Sheen would be more I think it would be more boring it would be way more boring to just watch him like look at things because it'd be hard to connect what he's thinking yeah but but with that voiceover you get a sense of like when he's looking at Lawrence Fishburne and and the captain that gets killed and and the guy that's tripping acid you get more of a sense of like oh fuck like you know he knows where he's head, where he's headed now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> you get like you get a sense of like the descent into, yeah, like the, the like loss of hu- humanism or humanity or, like there's like it becomes like less human like the deeper you go into it and yeah. it kind of, it kind of mirrors like the Divine Comedy in in that way or the first part at least you know just yeah. the Inferno part how how he's kind of just like chugging along through these different stages of hell and then he gets to the very bottom of hell and uh yeah it's like nothing know, what you of, expect yeah 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 i think but like each each like set like like kills like another layer of mm-hmm. of humanity you know what i mean like each each one like is significant and and it is like this slow descent down you know and it gets like harder and harder to watch you know as you go and some people hate that they find it so yeah. they find it they find it like so hard to watch someone that's just like at a witness into this descent yeah you know right because he doesn't really have control over how he's getting there no you know what i mean i mean he has to do some things you know to get where he gets but it's not a lot you know, he, right. he he basically is just kind of traveling down the river, and the river, in a in a weird sense, nature is just sending him there, like it's nature's course that's going to let allow right. him to get to Kurtz and and to get into this descent and see all these you know horrors. It's it's yeah, it's super interesting. You can get super like philosophical about it. I think which again, you can sit all day. Yeah, yeah which is great. That's a great what's great about this movie is you could get so philosophical but then you could also just talk about it as a very you know typical film you know you could go so many many ways with it and i think the divine talking about dante's inferno is actually a great 
way to describe this movie because literally it is every every because the the film is goes from point A to point B. There's a little they kind of going up the river, point to point C, and it, it spends a lot of time at each point it stops, which is how you know Dante's Inferno works. I mean, Dante, it's literally yeah. that. If you're not familiar, with, if any listeners are not familiar with the story, there's nothing that explicitly happens it's just him observing hell right, right. until he comes out the other yeah. side into purgatory and uh and it gets worse and worse exactly and, and like the deeper you go like the, the 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 like the murderers are at a lower level than the people who like stole a bunch of stuff exactly mm-hmm. exactly know? yeah and like the 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 beginning part of hell sort of like it's sort it's not it's more like purgatory in the sense that it's just like it's not bad but it's not great you're kind of just existing yeah um which is like kind of the beginnings of this film and uh even at one point in the film the guy's like you know welcome to hell or whatever and like you know he the guys are by the end by the when they get to the bridge scene the guys are so just shell-shocked about life and life outside of this that people are you know that there's just no existence outside of that right yeah, because um, his character, I mean, it's basically a loop because he starts in purgatory. He basically descends deeper and deeper into hell and he kind of comes back out just in purgatory. Yeah. He hasn't left yeah. yet. You know, he's still because that's what happens in the Divine Comedy. Basically, he kind of starts off more like purgatory. I mean, he's in hell, but it's it's not that bad. It's you know? not bad. Then yeah. he gets bad. Yeah. It gets worse and worse. And he comes out and then it's purgatory. The next book is Purgatorio or whatever. And that that, you know, it's not in everything in that book isn't or poem isn't that bad you know yeah exactly. but then he gets in he gets into you know heaven at the end uh mm-hmm. or paradise um which we don't see in apocalypse now right um, which i'm glad we, right i'm glad we don't i think that would have defeat that would def- it would have defeated the purpose of this being a, a right. what we would maybe call an anti-war film yeah right and i think i think a film like that would be like a ptsd film you know, like the going back, like going to heaven. You know what I mean? Like you could do like a. I guess that would maybe would more be like a purgatory. Yeah, if be, you were to do something like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. That would be interesting. I don't know. It's a tough. I mean, that yeah. whole the the divine comedy is very tough because it's not a traditional plot. Like things don't happen to the character. It's literally just observations right, of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but honestly, yeah. I mean to me, man, that's that's more. That's more fascinating because we are all observers, you know. Some are more observant than others, obviously, but as as just a human, you know, we witness and observe things all the time around us. And with anything, especially with war, what we see on the news and stuff is literally is almost just as. I mean, we are him, you know. And it's it's interesting, you know. It's 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 fascinating how Coppola was able to bring you know a middle-aged woman that's watching this film relate to martin sheen Mm -hmm. you know you couldn't really get much different but you but i think everyone can relate to that character on just the crazy shit that he's seeing Mm -hmm. not necessarily going through but just the shit that he's seeing that that alone will get you there um and then you you know yeah it's crazy absolutely is and it, it I wish we would have done this film early on in the podcast when we spent like three hours per episode. <laughs> I just like, I just, this film is so like, so important to me. And like, just to kind of wrap it up a little bit, like you can call me a hypocrite about liking the voiceover in this film and not liking narration in general. That's fine. <laughs> it works. It, it yes. Hacksaw Ridge had it and it really didn't work as well. I think. Cause it just, it, 
I don't know. Everything it was just in that one section. It just felt so. Everything about Hacksaw Ridge just felt so forced, um, and just it just didn't work. And uh, to me, I like the I like the noir detective style yeah, voiceover. Yeah. It just it sounds cool, and it the way they talk about themselves and their feelings is is interesting. And I I don't oh, know. Yeah. I just like it. Um, you know, when when he looks through the blind, when yeah. Sheen looks through the blinds and he goes Saigon, yeah. Shit, you know what I mean? It's just that's just a great line. Way, like, I wonder how many takes he had to do that because the way he, all of his it's like almost monotonous, yeah, the way he's droning, but it's not though. Like when it's he's like, talking about that, he's like, and then he went into airborne, he was 39 years old. Why the fuck would he do that? Yeah, yeah, it, it, but it, it somehow gets you like. It's it's like there's a rhythm to it, and it's yeah. almost like hypnotic, almost, yeah. you know. And I, I don't know how one as like a director would like be able to um, visualize that, you know. Yeah. How does one visualize a voiceover and then get it out of a performer? I, like, I, I, I've, like, I just I don't think you can. I think you have to hear it. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I, I don't know. That's the thing. It, it, to me, it comes off as more poetic, and I like the poetic voiceovers. So no, totally. Yeah, no, so it's definitely. I'll take. I'll take I it. Mean, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Call yeah, me a hypocrite. That's fine. Yeah, whatever. No, I, mean, I think no. I mean, I think you, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the film in general is more of like a poem. Yeah, you know. Yeah, especially yeah. it's you, almost like the Divine Comedy, you might say. Oh well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. poeticness. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at Hacksaw Ridge, there's nothing really poetic about that movie, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, it, in relation to other war films, this movie is so different, and it, it, it's its own right. thing. I mean, yeah. the closest thing that you could get to it, I think, would be The Deer Hunter. In I still need to see. In the sense of scope. In, in the sense one, yeah. of scope and, 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 and what, it, what it can do to a viewer, like, emotionally. And mm-hmm. Is how war can devastate humans, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. Or the first. There's also, like, a weird, like, dreamlike aspect to this movie. Totally. Which is kind of mm. cool. Totally. Because the camera yeah. is very slow. I mean, mm. there is no fast shots in this yeah. whatsoever. I mean, fucking, the cutting right. gets kind of fast, yeah. but the shots themselves are never fast. It's, it's fucking, it's a trip down the rabbit hole, man. Like, yeah. it's like Alice in Wonderland yeah. took, you know, LSD in fucking Vietnam, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Such a good Alright, so for the sake of time, let's um, very, very quickly go through this. Um, the round table... Uh, obviously, my opinions have been out there. I like. I mean, we could have put the, the what would have been difficult a difficult choice would have been Apocalypse Now in two thousand one. Uh, this is not a difficult choice. Um, <laughs> Apocalypse Now is clearly the better film. Um, actually, if you're really curious about my specific opinions on uh, Hacksaw Ridge, you can go check me out on Letterboxd at Hyperion Creator because I actually did a, a bigger review for it. Two stars. It it's is, hysterical. It's kind of, uh, it, I mean, it's I awesome. had fun writing it, um, and it's just a, it's just kind of a dumb movie. I was really disappointed. Um, you can pretty much skip Hacksaw Ridge and be fine with your life. Don't skip Apocalypse Now though, because you won't be fine with your life. Um, avoid, avoid that's, Hacksaw for sure. Awesome. Um, so I don't know. I, I get the feeling that both of you, well, 
Jacob is just being tongue in cheek, so I'm a little concerned. But uh, I'm assuming <laughs> both of you liked Apocalypse Now more than Hacksaw Ridge. I'm assuming you guys liked Hacksaw. I, Byron more than Jacob. I assume you like Hacksaw. Jacob, you're generally in line with me when it comes to the the Jesus stuff. But I don't know. Surprise me. I'm, I'm just gonna say that you both like just... Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. More. I, I, I assume uh, this episode is going to be easy and Apocalypse Now would come out yeah, on top. Let's just have Byron go next. I think you like Apocalypse Now more. Oh, yeah. I mean, Apocalypse Now is one of my top ten favorite films of all time. Yeah. I mean, easy. It's 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 the pinnacle of what a film can be. Yeah. Uh, in all sense of the word of film. I mean, it's... it's, it's I mean, if you were to... Sorry, I don't, sorry just to... Just, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. If we were to pick the best film of every genre... Like yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, Apocalypse yeah. Now would be yeah. like the Apocalypse best war film. Now would be my favorite war film. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. You know the other ones that get close to it would be like I said, Deer Hunter, Saving Private Ryan. I really like Platoon. You know? Thin Red Line is really good too um, if you're into that style. Yeah, Thin Red Line is okay. It's not. I have to be in the mood for it. With the yeah, other ones, no, it's, though, I it's can, way like, more poetic yeah, than yeah. fucking Apocalypse Now right. is. So I'm not a big Malick fan. I mean, I like his movies. I'm just not a huge fan. But yeah. and Apocalypse Now blew me away when i first saw it easily top 10 easily top 10 i mean maybe top five i don't know and that's um, one of the few films where adding an extra 30 minutes actually made it yeah, infinitely yeah. better yeah because the redux version is way longer and it's way fucking better yeah i, I it just immerses you the french that. the the french mo- like monologue that, that the french guy goes on is so good yeah so good um, I even just like the scene where they're in the helicopter with the the, the bunnies, you know, and yeah. talking, and it's just interesting, and you feel sorry for them, and it's just like it it kind of leaves you feeling really weird, and it's yeah. just an interesting. Oh god, scene. that scene is it's, that whole it's, section of the movie is so it's, uncomfortable. It's fucking, it's dirty, man. Yeah. It's in this weird way. It's fucking, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I I actually because I was so surprised about Hacksaw Ridge, I I I wouldn't say avoid the movie. Um. I mean, it's not definitely not my favorite war movie or anything, and not even close. But it's it was solid. I mean, I was I guess I was imagining a PG thirteen fucking warhorse type movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't really like that. So I, you're much more forgiving. Yeah, I was more forgiving with movies. this one yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. it's probably my least favorite um, uh, Mel Gibson film, though. Oh yeah, you know, huh. yeah, that right. that he's directed. Yeah, yeah. Right, because he only right. directed like four or five movies. His film, his directorial filmography is Not very, that very big. small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. So, wow. all right. Uh, again, uh, Apocalypse he, Now for Jacob. Mm-hmm. Same. Surprise me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys are, are both right, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of with Byron on the Hacksaw Ridge. Like, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really awesome. I like, I love it when movies kind of combine two genres in unique ways, and I thought this film kind of did the World War II faith-based thing pretty well. Even though I'm not, like, super privy to faith-based stuff, I, I love the, the character aspect of this movie. And, like, I think if this movie, like... Ha- if 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 they pushed the character further and like really made him like break, I think I would have liked Hacksaw Ridge more than Apocalypse Now. Like you know, if they like really really pushed him and and um, really made him like confront his his faith a lot more. Because like I felt like yeah, he's like in war and it's horrible and it's hellish. <laughs> 
but like but there like I wanted like that moment where he had to like decide between like you know like the girl and using a gun you know what I mean like what like I felt like his like I felt like he he wasn't really concerned about dying the whole movie but like he would be concerned about like like I just I just didn't know what he really cared about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of his faith, and like the stakes, I just that I wanted. High. Yeah, you could yeah, feel the stakes the, like yeah. weren't. You high. could feel the plot armor surrounding him. Yeah, yeah you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, like and like you just kind of know that he's not gonna die. You know, throughout the movie, but I'm not really concerned about that at all. I'm I'm more concerned that it just it felt like he wasn't like the character wasn't confronted by his like deepest fears. Right, right. and like it, like of of being challenged by your faith uh and i i wish that happened he didn't um, get to his and, heart of darkness <laughs> yeah yeah like he but like in apocalypse now that's like clear that is like the movie yeah, is like yeah, yeah. it's like this descent into the darkest yeah. like depths and i i just i wish that apocalypse now had that like but in like the care from the character's perspective you know yeah um but yeah i definitely like Ap- apocalypse now um a lot more just because it's i mean there's just like a the artistic values of it are or i think are way higher and the ambiguousness of it and how you know the character isn't really a character at all uh is really interesting and can't that can't really be a thing anymore you know unless you make like art movies because uh, all hollywood movies like the main character has to be in charge of the story and if they're not then that's like kind of a bad thing yeah you know for hollywood um so and i know this was independently finance or whatever i don't really know uh but i mean both in yeah it's just we're kind of great both films are pretty independent right overall but i think hacksaw was like definitely like uh, was obviously eyeing the the hollywood uh like style movie yeah you know what i mean Yeah. yeah he wanted that film to be in the oscar competition yeah for sure Right, where Apocalypse but Now I, was I def- like, I'll take the international competitions, you know what I mean, right. that type of thing. Yeah, uh, I think Apocalypse Now is like up there with like the Divine Comedy as like things that need to be like you know p- looked at way later on. Yeah, you know, at like hundred years from now, I think it's like going to be one of those. Oh, it actually won. That's interesting. Movies. It did win the Apocalypse Now did win the Palme d'Or that year. Yeah, it should have. It should. Yeah. It, but I was gonna say it should have won the Oscar, man. It should have won the fucking Oscar. A lot of films should have won the Oscar. What, though, what won know? that year? What, uh, actually, what's the a, other film actually, that Byron that's, hates? That's a good question. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> it might actually Do be it. a pretty good movie. Um, Seventy nine was a good year. Seventy nine. What would be the worst movie? Kramer versus Kramer. Ghost. Oh, Kramer I, versus I Kramer won seen it. Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> But that's Meryl that. Streep and Dustin Hoffman. So it's probably pretty good, but Apocalypse Now is going to be better, way better. It's yeah, it's one of those films that like it got in the terms of America, I mean, yeah, best director was Kramer versus Kramer, best actor, I mean Kramer versus Kramer. Did kind this of win everything, but. Apocalypse Now though did win two Oscars, best sound and best cinematography. So deservedly those two had to have gone right. to this movie. I mean, come on, the sound and the cinematography The sound is are, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, they had to rich yeah. they had to refit theaters at can yeah. to properly play the sound because they weren't uh set up for it is the one of the first yeah they wanted the surround sound yeah, yeah. one of the first uh you, stereo it might have been the one. first film to use dolby no 
there, we did a film earlier on the podcast that was the first one. I forget which one that was, though. But this is up there, one of the first yeah, ones. Yeah, it was revolutionary yeah. with its sound design. And this is kind sure. of a fun fact. So, you know, the, the doors are on the soundtrack, um, especially towards the, the climactic scene with you know the, the song of the end. While they were getting the music to be put into the film, they actually uncovered that that song done by Jim Morrison or and the doors and they're playing it and all of a sudden Jim Morrison starts saying fuck 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 yeah in the song and <laughs> uh, uh, Jim Morrison or uh, Francis Ford Coppola is like what the fuck that's not in the song like what what are we listening to like it's the song but he, why is he why is this in the thing and I guess when they recorded that Jim Morrison said all these you know expletives and the, the record company took that part of the song out. Just they just they left the whole song as it was. They just mm-hmm. they just lowered his volume yeah. right. on that part. They took that that stem out, right? So and nobody really yeah. knew about it. So Capola actually found the last remaining reels or whatever of them that weren't silenced. So now if you go to Fred Meyer and got the Doors, the best hits or whatever, and you get the newer version. Um, on CD, it's actually if you hear it, if you listen closely, you can hear Jim Morrison say "fuck, fuck, fuck," <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cool. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because of Apocalypse Now. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had that. Man, he says it like seventeen that's times awesome. or something. It's pretty funny. Thank God. Let's pray to God for Apocalypse Now yeah. and, and give God the thanks He deserves for yes. that movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I think you guys are generally more forgiving when it comes to movies in general. Um, I can't take the Jesus stuff seriously at all. Well, I, mean, I, I, I dude, I I couldn't take it seriously either. I just. As an overall film, though, I mean, I I, I like like the the action yeah. and, and stuff like that, and and I, you know, I didn't I I didn't mind it because it was like this other genre too, you know. But yeah. like those faith based films, like, are not for me. But uh, when they like combine it with like an interesting genre, like I'm always game for that. Yeah, like that sounds cool. And for some weird reason, I actually enjoyed like the banter that he has with like his girlfriend and stuff. Like, I, I guess just me because I wasn't like picturing that in this movie that when it happened in theaters i was like this is actually kind of enjoyable but then yeah the first time i saw it i was like oh fuck if the whole movie's like this i'm gonna hate this movie but then when the war scene started i was like okay okay not bad right you know um i just like so, some of those lines were pretty cheesy like pretty cheese bally oh, even yeah, for totally. me like yeah, i love totally. i love cheese but some i was like oh, i don't know there's yeah, definitely a know? fine line between cheese and cringe and like <laughs> Hacksaw yeah, falls on the side of, yeah. of cringe, in my opinion. A this lot wasn't more. good. This was like spray on cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this God. is cheese whiz. This is, <laughs> this is the cheese whiz cheese of cheese. Whiz. Yeah, cheese whiz is bad. Oh, God. Cheese whiz is the worst cheese. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I love cheese. So, whenever I'm like, ugh, you know, whenever I'm like that, I feel like that's it's, gotta it's be like bad. extreme cheese, you know, because I'm a cheese ball man. I love that shit. Oh, in terms of other favorite war movies, though, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. We gotta, is really we gotta throw that one in there. Yeah. I also yeah. really yeah. like um, if, Kubrick's Paths of Glory is a really good war movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's then one of my one. other favorite war movies is Wings. First film oh, that early Oscar. Oh, Wings. Yeah. Movie. yeah. We should watch Wings. We've talked about that one yeah. on the show. Yeah, we have lots of uh, 
Uh, this is why we're doing a continuous war series because there's so many fucking war movies yeah. and a lot of them are lot really of good. good ones, yeah. Sergeant York um, is a good one too. Yeah, and I, I like war. I li- see that's the thing too is I like war movies. <laughs> like not, I don't like war. I like war movies, right, right. and I don't uh-huh. and I don't like I don't like drama with the backdrop of war. You know what I mean? It's oh, like okay. sci-fi for me. It's like I like. I generally like, and I'm a little more forgiving with sci-fi, but I generally like sci-fi movies, not drama movies that take place in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm more like... Well, that's weird because I'm not trying to just call you out because I feel like I've been doing that. But like, Jin Rose kind of like a drama with a war backdrop. Like, it's a tragedy. Yeah, you're right. That's fair. But it is anime. It's a little different. I mean... It's, it's an anime, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I yeah, I know what you mean though. No, I think that's a I think that's a fair observation and like I don't know what a, there's a, other things about Jinro's that made it more enjoyable, you know. Right. It, it didn't and also Jinro didn't really set out to be a war movie either. It's also science fiction. I mean, it takes place in this alternate Right. It has the elements kind of on it. Whereas Hacksaw yeah. Ridge set out to be a war movie and then the first half of it is not. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And then it, right. it, it didn't end up I'm being a superhero movie. So. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> yeah. that's another thing. So, I don't know. I, I That's fair. And you may, you can call me a hypocrite for that, too. I, I think more along the lines of <laughs> what does the movie set out to be? If it sets out to be a war movie, then stick, stick yeah, to the I mean, war I don't think stuff, it's really you know? anything about hip, hip being a hypocrite. I think it's, yeah, no, so I don't many, think it is. There's so many different uh, levels of all these things. Yeah. Just like the narration. Yeah. I mean, like we, we kind of figured out it's not really narration it's not really voiceover that you dislike it's really like the narration I think yeah. is really is really what you hate I mean I think maybe overall voiceover isn't your thing but if you were to have voiceover it would be more of the voiceover not the narration yeah right it. It, like less plot driven right and I think the same for drama like I think I, that's that's why I brought it up because um, it seems like maybe it just needs to have like that other aspect of it that 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 interests you. yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean if this film sets but out to be a drama film then i'm gonna watch it in the mindset of a drama film you yeah know? so that's right right it's like say i would say the same with horror if you're gonna set up to be horror and then fucking the first two-thirds of your film <laughs> is these two people bickering i'm probably not gonna like it you know and then the end is a dream oh god <laughs> dude shoot yourself <laughs> shoot yourself in the head if uh you ever end your film like that <laughs> God damn it, dude. I'm never gonna... I'm so salty about that movie. Just like... Just waking up at a hospital or an insane asylum or anything of this sort. What if it was like waking up in a massage? Like it was all like... like Ooh, see, that would be good. It's it's all like this fantasy that he was having while he was getting the fucking happy ending. (laughs) Oh, God. Of course your mind goes there. Jesus. Yes, another strong ending to an episode. All right. Yeah, another strong we one. We got yeah. there. We got there. Um, we love you long time. Yeah. Oh, hey, talk that's, about, a, that's a full metal jacket. Talk about actually. racist that's Asian characters. That's a full metal jacket, though, right? What? The, I yeah. love you long time. That's full metal jacket. Right? Oh, oh, me so horny. Yeah, yeah. That's full metal jacket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, when they're sitting in on the and outside. He's like offering yeah. her the black mamba or whatever. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, all right. I, I I don't know how to salvage these things anymore, so we're just gonna let it ride. We could just talk um, about the Little Mermaid again. Oh, <laughs> Is that the new angel? Bring I don't it know. It could be. I'm, it might I, be, I, be I, becoming that. You know, time will tell. Ar- Ariel's probably over me, so you know it's all good. I think she's under the sea. 
Wow, next week's episode is going to be <laughs> real fucking interesting. Um, oh, I forgot to write down the films now. Okay, so, uh, but if you, I guess Jacob can tell me because you're running that one anyway. Um, so if you have any questions or opinions, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page, comment on, comment on or discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes. Um, if you like the show, please rate it five stars or, you know, just rate it in general uh, wherever you listen because it helps others find us. And especially the Apple listeners out there, which is the majority. Please throw some reviews in there. Um, you can f- also follow us on Letterboxd at JCFolds24 for Jacob and Hyperion Creator for me. Um, like I said, I did a, a more in-depth review <laughs> of Hacksaw Ridge. Um and my issues with the film. <laughs> uh, so next week will be a little different. I will not be on the episode, but in order to maintain our weekly release, um, these two, I guess, people will be... Um, uh, you guess people. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, <laughs> we could be crab people. I don't know. There could be crabs under there. This is all a dream for me. And you guys are just my subconscious. So right, I'm about to wake shit. up and you'll be yeah, in a I'm coma. About to wake up. Oh, uh, but God. I will after, be gone. After realizing there is narration in Apocalypse <laughs> Now, you went into a coma. <laughs> uh, so uh, you guys are going to be talking about uh, flops, oh, right? I got it. Yeah, flops. And it's uh, Michael Camino's Heaven's Gate. Uh, which is a drama action film from the 80s that totally flopped and was kind of a artistic uh, art, art film form about the environment. And then the other one is John Carter, the more recent Disney film. I think it came out in like 2012 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and it's just kind of this epic movie that totally just got destroyed in, in box office. So we'll be talking about money, and then we'll also be talking about, like, you know, just flops in, in general, I think. We'll just kind of dick around. We'll flop around. <laughs> flop our dicks around. God <laughs> damn it. Right when you said that, I knew what was coming, too. Oh, same. I God was like, oh, God, I know You knew stuck. I was coming. It, uh, God damn. Apparently. <laughs> Jesus. How do we make this whole podcast more bro-y? Um, and then after that... I don't know what we're doing after that. Oh god! Um, I have an idea what we should do. We were talking about changing it it up over the episode because what we had on there. Because I will be back for that episode. Um, I don't know which was a surprise, right? So yeah, we'll have to decide. I think westerns or something could be cool. That would be cool. Westerns, since we haven't done. Oh yeah, I'm like the the anti-hero western. Do stagecoat? Oh, the anti-hero western. Yeah, that's honestly, you guys would love High Plains Drifter and the Wild Bunch. That's like those are so good. Okay. Oh my god, we're putting well, this on that. For me. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be doing that, and then pretty soon in a couple of weeks when Hereditary comes out, we'll oh, be talking about that. So. I know, I'm excited. That's yeah, coming that up. That should be really cool. Uh, so yeah, Fucked so, up looking child. Hell yeah, and people on fire. Cutting off birds' heads with scissors. <laughs> Fucked up looking child, that's so mean. <laughs> god damn. Well, she has makeup on. Uh, to, try, to hide her ugliness more. <laughs> Well, there goes all the listeners we had. I don't know how to salvage that one either. Doesn't she? Uh, ha- so if you don't want to listen to next, kid, if you don't want to listen to next week's episode, you know, feel free to skip it. Cause, <laughs> cause I won't be here. 
<laughs> you get a lot Keith of definitely will. A lot of Keith definitely will. Keith's keeping skipping Jacob. it for sure. He's not even going to listen. Uh, Jacob, now we have to like really get on Reddit and everything and really just John Carter the shit out of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really push I think it. we already are. There's got to be some diehard fans of John Carter that would fucking love it. Oh, yeah. And like Heaven's Gate. But who knows, kind of man? A... We might actually like John Carter more than Heaven's Gate. I, I've seen Heaven's Gate. I haven't seen John Carter, though. I haven't seen either. I'm excited. I haven't seen either one. And I don't plan to watch either one, so there you go. (laughs) Heaven's Gate is actually... You should probably watch Heaven's Gate. Gate, I think it's more up your alley. Heaven's Gate's pretty fascinating to watch. It's pretty good. It's not like it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. It was kind of like like an art filmmaker got a whole bunch of money to make his next movie and it just tanked <laughs> you know he, it's like well, he, that classic story he did it after the deer hunter and the deer hunter is in an art film you know deer hunter is oh, considered really? a, an amazing film yeah so that's what's oh. really confusing he won all these oscars for the deer hunter and then he was like you know he was able to do whatever he wanted and then i oh i didn't know michael camino did deer hunter mm-hmm. i should really look up on this yeah, i'm gonna eat my yeah. words no i mean he did deer hunter it was this huge massive success and then uh he was given all the money and stuff he wanted to do, and he and he did Heaven's Gate, and it uh, backfired. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there you go. So that's uh, crazy. John Carter and Heaven's Gate will be next week's films. So uh, check those out. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Apocalypse now. Apocalypse now. Apocalypse later. <laughs> later. <laughs> See you later. Apocalypse later. <laughs>